Wanting to understand marketing better? You're in the right place. Welcome to Marketing Mind with your host, Andrew Allen. All right, welcome to Marketing Mind, episode five of Interview with a Marketing Pro. I'm your host, Andrew Allen, and today I'm joined by Stephen Burr, our social media social media guru and head of memeology. <laughs> got, <laughs> I've got uh, three questions for you. And we're doing this in one take. Everything is going in. Mm-hmm. First question. So what is your, what has been rather, your biggest win this year so far with social media? Well, I'm going to go with two. I had to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but my biggest win overall was being recognized by Facebook as, an, as a marketing professional. And we are now one of only about 150 marketing agencies in the country that are Facebook marketing partners. So I think that was a really, really huge win this year. And I'm really, really proud of that one. Um, The second one I'm going to choose is a return on ad spend win. Um, You know, we do deal with a lot of clients who, you know, are small to medium sized businesses Mm -hmm. and a lot of them don't have the world's largest budget. Sure. Um, But I do have one client this month when I was reporting where I discovered uh, a $500 budget turned into a 32 times return on ad spend resulting in a little over $15,000 worth of sales. With a $500 budget, very, very happy with that one. Yeah, now wow. we just got to get yeah. them to scale it. <laughs> yeah, okay. What's right? the? Uh, do you see a ceiling on that? How far do you think you can scale that? That's same just it. Ratio? At the moment, we've only reached about nine to ten percent of the audiences that oh, I've wow. identified, mm-hmm. and I don't think at the moment there's much of a, a ceiling he could reach. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Mm. So, did you say five hundred? Five hundred dollars spent with yeah. a thirty-two times return on ad spend. That so it was about fifteen oh, or something. Can't, don't know if it's on my head. Thousand, yeah. Yeah, fifteen thousand. Okay. If we're looking at multiplying that by ten before we have to look at uh, other audiences, hmm. that's what um, that would get to a hundred. That's easy math, actually. Times ten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one hundred and fifty thousand from five thousand. Yep. That's roughly. Yeah. Yeah, the, the spend is almost negligible. At that the thing point. is, though, is it's not genu- generally a linear one-to-one, yeah. sort of one-to-one mm. result. Like, you know, we start scaling up the ad spend, mm. generally you're going to see sort of a more of a geometric scale happen to the return. Right. You know, the, the more you put in, the yeah, more yeah. you get back. Yeah, okay. You know, so, okay. yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, saying, what, 40, 145000 dollars profit would be pessimistic. Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) That's a pretty big win. Yeah, it was a good win. Yeah. All right. So, uh, any keys to the success of that particular campaign? If you're talking, I guess, in in general terms. Look, there's a number of things that that contributed to that campaign. Um, Look, number one, the the gentleman in question does have a physical store location and has spent a lot of time and effort in the last year upgrading their presence, right? So Mm. his store now is just looking fantastic. Uh, Another big change that we made this month as opposed to last month and previous months is I started asking him to take more in-store photos and more in-store videos. So instead of just showing the generic, you know, PNG cutout of a product just on a a product page or using that for an ad, we actually had the sort of real world products, you know, in a lifestyle shot, perhaps maybe in a video being shown off how they work, Mm. actually being played with. Right. Okay. The moment we added people into the pictures, yep. the engagement rate and the click-through rates just skyrocketed. Mm, you know, okay. so that just tells me we need to get more real-world content for this guy. Mm. And I think we can continue to scale his ads even with the small budget. I think next month, this month, we potentially could end up with a better result than we did in June. Yeah. Which is saying a lot because you know, end of financial year, all the sales happen, and yeah, yeah. 
So slice of life advertising is generally a lot of a lot of these interviews have been about Google ads and, and SEO, mm. where your website could have slice of life type mm. advertising on it, but your actual ad itself certainly couldn't. If you go into maybe display into uh, YouTube and Gmail, you, you can you can get slice of life on there, but it doesn't. It still doesn't feel as I guess native to the platform as mm. that that sort of content does on Facebook, uh, where you've also got like the, the shareability and the you know people will actually talk about stuff and engage with it. Which obviously there's no comment section on a display no, ad. That's true. Um, <laughs> it's is, the scariest part about social advertising. They can comment. <gasps> yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, that's why I want to get into a bit more. So so okay. slice of life is that is that an advertising, a style of ad that you would recommend in general for social media? It has its place as a top of funnel sort of mm -hmm. um, advert. So when we're talking about prospect and getting in front of a new brand, new mm -hmm. cold audience, yeah, 100%. We want mm -hmm. lifestyle shots out there showing how cool it is. Think of the Instagram influencer who's posting pictures of their new, mm -hmm. um, I don't even know what to say, like lip gloss or whatever, right? Sure, it's sure. all about the lifestyle shot, right? Yeah, that yeah. gets people interested at that first step. Step two, step step two being like this consideration stage, mm. show them more of that stuff, you know, show it being used in real life, show the manufacturing process, mm. show why you chose these ingredients over these ingredients, start teaching them about the product. And step three, after they've already been introduced, already seen it in real life, then you've still got a space for those PNG photos that look like real world products in the conversion ad, that final third step, mm. right? Okay. In those sort of ads, I would use the, the PNG cutout, right? Ready to buy, here's a price, free shipping, you know, something mm. like that. Mm. Any step before that, I would go more lifestyle. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, just to get clear up some jargon <laughs> and introduce Sorry. some new jargon. <laughs> I hate jargon. <laughs> That's all right. So, um, I think I think so. A, a three by three is a phrase that uh, we probably we might use a little bit more on on this episode, perhaps mm. not, but probably sometime in the future. I'm going to say three by three a few more times. So that mm. that strategy, the the three pieces of content from. Uh, top of funnel or like introduction to kind of research consideration through to like purchase intent, uh, call to action type ads. Mm. That is that the type of yes. campaign you can put in a three by three? Yep. Yep. It's a good Fantastic. sort of it's a good general campaign structure. It doesn't work for everyone, but it is a general mm -hmm. campaign structure. That's where you start and then build mm. upon that. Okay. Yeah. So that uh, so that's the jargon I wanted to introduce, three by mm -hmm. three. The other the jargon I wanted to demystify a little mm -hmm. bit might have been obvious from context by now, but top of funnel. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Top of funnel is just that initial touch point. First time you're introducing a, a customer to your business, like, hello, we exist. You know, just at that point, don't be selling, number one. Mm -hmm. you, know, you don't yeah, yeah. want to have a, like in all seriousness, don't even have a call to action. Mm. Just make it a fun, engaging post that people can actually enjoy engaging mm. with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top of yeah. funnel is all about having fun. Yeah, okay, fantastic. Yeah, also Not so much on PPC. But. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, I guess that's also where where comments come in, mm -hmm. something unique to social. Um, so you touched on that being a bit of a, a double-edged sword. It is extremely a double-edged sword because it can swing both ways, right? I truly believe that as a, let's go with a good ad, as mm -hmm. a good ad starts getting traction and starts getting engagement and you see the, uh, the comments and the shares and all that sort of stuff start, if the comments are good, Mm -hmm. I actually think that's going to make your ad more powerful because mm -hmm. what generally happens okay. is is all the frequently asked questions that people have get asked in that comment section and then if you have a good social media manager they're replying to it with not just yes but an actual good answer that proves they were listening to the customer and gives mm -hmm. them real advice right 
all of a sudden you've now got a frequently asked questions section built into your ad. Mm. You, you can't mm. make that, it has to happen naturally, right? Yeah, On the yeah. flip side of that, <laughs> if you have a bad ad, don't put spelling mistakes in there because you will be pulled up on it. Um, it can turn into, oh, what do you even want to call it? Like, it, it's going to have Toxic, a very negative yeah. impact on your ad because all the, the negative aspects of whatever that business may mm. be are being displayed in full. So if you miss a bad comment like that for, say, a week or more, mm -hmm. or, oh my God, you've just been advertising that you're the worst business in the world and I would never deal with you again to, a, you know, tens of thousands of people and it's cost you money to say that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you, you've got to be very proactive with the comments section. If okay. you do get bad comments and you believe they're unjustified, look, two options. You either just hide the comment. I think hiding is the better option because mm. it doesn't delete it in the sorry, the person who wrote its view and their friends can also still see it. So they've had a bad experience and they want the world to know about it. Sure, their friends can, but at least no one else will. Right? So you're not paying for it. You're then. not yeah. paying for it, right? On the flip side of that, you can also ban a user completely. Now, if you do ban a user completely, be prepared for backlash because mm. people are pretty vindictive these days on social and that's only one account you banned them on. You've still got Google reviews, you've still got Instagram, Twitter, and a bunch of other places they can find you. It's not so hard to make another account either. Before you ban someone, just make sure that's the right decision. Mm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Sounds like good advice. So essentially, Try not to post that ad in the first place. Well, yeah, let's start there. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like that's also you know not the only way to end up with negative comments. Um, but if you do get negative comments, or if you are posting something where people can comment, just be proactive in watching yep. it. And people also, a negative comments. comment necessarily isn't a bad thing. Mm -hmm. If you get a negative comment on an ad and public re publicly reply in a very professional manner that kind of, oh, let's not say shut down, but answers the objection that was mm. in that comment, well, then I think that's a positive for your ad. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I, I think about the same thing in reviews, that when, when I see a page that has five-star reviews, it's never seen a bad one below four, I kind of don't even think that's real. And I think a lot of people mm. don't see that mm. as authentic as well. Okay. Same in the comment yeah, section. Yeah. If everything's positive, is this mm. really real or have they gone out and added that in. So yeah, okay. judge each comment on its own merits. Mm. You know, if it deserves being hidden or banned, then act on it because you don't want to be advertising a, a bad comment all the time, right? Mm. On the other side of that, if you see something that's just a bit iffy, reply publicly. I think mm. it's going to make your ad more powerful. Shows that you're real. Authentic. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, just wanted to bring it, bring up an example that mm -hmm. I've seen that I thought was really powerful where the, the comments on the ad mm -hmm. were actually a much better selling tool than the ad itself. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually on Reddit. Which, <laughs> Reddit's the best. Yeah, so that sort of stuff. <laughs> I, I know you're a big fan of your know, marketing by via Reddit and using mm -hmm. it for, for business purposes. Uh, even though it's it's definitely a minority in terms of the platforms that we use here. Uh, <laughs> Ma uh, the company Massdrop, so they, uh, you might be familiar with them, maybe not. So I'll explain it anyway. Mm -hmm. So Massdrop. Massdrop. So basically, uh, I, it's not going to be an ad for their, their mm -hmm. product right now. And I, I, so I don't, you know, I don't necessarily have all my details 100%, mm -hmm. but my understanding of it is that they put products up for sale where they're significantly below the usual purchase price. Mm -hmm. Some of them are even exclusive items. Mm -hmm. um, and when they get enough buyers, they ship it out. So it's essentially like bulk buying as individuals. Okay. So that's Masteroll. They advertise quite a lot on Reddit mm -hmm. and they've got uh, a lot of headphones. So you, know, you see you know, posts Popular come up. Reddit. As, 
yeah, yeah. so uh mass mass dropped sorry mass dropped headphone ads mm. and then uh i noticed something really odd one day because there were like 30 something comments mm. which if you're familiar with ads on reddit there's usually not so many comments mm. so i went into there to see what was up and there was questions like uh, these headphones sound sound good, but what I'm really looking for is something I can wear while I'm sleeping. Mm. Are they comfortable? And then, 24 hours later, mm. there's a comment from the Mastrop. from Master yep. saying, "I wore these last night. Can mm. confirm, they're fairly comfortable. But I've also worn this pair that we sell. Mm. It's even more comfortable." Brilliant. So that is that is a fantastic reply because you've listened to the customer. You actually mm. proactively went out and conducted an experiment yeah. for them and then reported back. That's the mm. most. That's the perfect comment back. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, you know what, just one one good consistent thing that was done mm. by by that commenter. So he developed like a personality and a reputation after a while. Yeah. And the comments went from thirty the first time that I saw it to like a thousand every time. Next time, yeah. He had like a following, and people were saying they actually bought, like yeah. made purchases because of the comments. Uh, and they kind of human advertise. I have like a little theory that yeah. if one person comments, it's probably 20 other people out there thinking the exact same thing. Exactly, <laughs> definitely. So definitely. yeah, yeah. Oh, I sleep with headphones. I probably I gotta look at these things too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, ask Nastro. Yeah, right. I'll I'll check it out. It's pretty cool. Um, they also. Damn it! Now we're talking about it. Ah, <laughs> oh, good there advertising. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so um, all of the you know, there's something really consistent between all those mm. posts as well. Is that uh, didn't kind of religiously back that particular product. Often mm. it was. Like here are the pros and cons of this versus other products. Um, often, it, like you know, they, these are better on what you're looking for, but they are more expensive. So just like, it didn't feel like a pushed upsell. It just it just felt like a really honest answer yeah. with with both the pros and cons rather than just yes, this this product does everything you're I looking think for. In 2019, we've now all been on social media for what is it, 10, 12 years, uh, roughly. Yeah, something like that. that. Yeah. We've yeah. now pretty much all seen what faking it is on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Actual authentic interaction with a company mm. is extremely valuable, and I think we can all tell the difference these days. You don't need to be mm. an expert to see when you're not, you know, not having the right thing said to you from a company. I don't know how to say that properly. Yeah, Sorry. Where, <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. right? Where it's not, it's not like genuine human. No, it's not a gen. Yeah, not a genuine communication. Yeah, no. yeah. So, wanted uh, to we we've talked a lot about this this one first question already, mm. but I, I want to go back to the other side of your answer, which was uh, Facebook marketing partner. Mm -hmm. um, so here's something that I'm actually not that familiar with, but I remember when we first, when I first heard about that from you, mm. it was in a beta phase. Correct. Is it still in that phase or is it now? No, they have now gone past beta stage. Perfect. Uh, so beta stage ended, I think, in June, actually, just last okay. month. And, um, Look, they changed a couple of the sort of goalposts for certain uh, yeah, criteria yeah. of stuff to yeah. make it a little bit harder mm. to get in. But right, so it's a good little system. Essentially, as Google has marketing partners, mm. Facebook never did. Yeah, and yeah. it was only very recently that they started a marketing program. They called it Facebook Marketing Pro Beta, right? Mm. And it was just a beta program. They were testing it out to see what sort of value they could offer mm. to client support people like myself. It has been invaluable. You know, once a week I get a phone call from a marketing expert. We pick a couple of key accounts that we mm. want to talk about that week and we talk about in-depth strategy. Things I can do differently that would get me the results I want. She can deep dive into my accounts and go, you know, Stephen, instead of doing a, a link click campaign here, maybe try optimizing it for reach for XYZ mm -hmm. reason. 
it has been absolutely fantastic. And in fact, I can even put on a chart the day when she helps us yeah, yeah. and I can see the results change. You know, they are absolutely fantastic. And we simply would not have access to that sort of level of advice unless we were a marketing partner. Yeah, so okay, it has been the best thing to happen to Yes Digital in a long time. That's fantastic. Well, for social marketing. For social, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Good lad, you, yeah. Guys are, you guys are killing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm glad that you said it was only last month that mm. it changed over because I don't feel so bad for not being up to date with that now. No, very new, but, you're all good. <laughs> yeah. So the, the program is just, you know, it's definitely a thing. It's not going away and we're definitely in. The mm -hmm. goalposts moved a little bit. Oh, as in like, the uh, minimum requirements mm, have mm. been raised a little bit. Not that we would still not be hitting them. It's mm. more, more means the next group of marketeers sure. that come in are going to sure. have a much higher, like, yeah, yeah. higher ceiling to reach. Okay. And all that means is, is they don't want they don't want the freelancer with three clients mm. becoming a marketing partner. Because they're putting in a lot of They're putting in a lot of money and a lot of work into this program so that they really want to support good-sized marketing agencies mm -hmm. who can already provide a good result to their client. They mm. don't just look at how much we spend each month. Mm. They actually look at how we spend the money every yeah, month. Yeah, and we yeah. have to make sure we maintain a certain level of service to our clients. Mm. Otherwise we can very quickly and easily lose that marketing mm. relationship. And we're not gonna lose that marketing relationship because we smash all of their criteria. Mm. Yeah, okay, fantastic. Yeah. So, it's, so it's, it's not so much a support program as it is like an augmentation program. A little bit of both. Look okay, high, look yeah, high, cool, big. cool. So from there, uh, going on to our second question. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's good. Uh, I've enjoyed the conversation so far. Mm. Uh, so same kind of vein, but uh, different scale, I guess. Uh, what, is your, what has been your smallest win this year <laughs> that was still really satisfying? That's what I'm going to talk about, competition. So <laughs> social media is a, it's a, it's a fun animal, a fun beast. It's not all about sales, it's not all about clicks. You know, at the end of the day, uh, a lot of it is about community management. In fact, some would say a very large portion of it is about mm. community management. One of my clients' major goal on social media is to be the number one presence of a certain industry. I won't, mm -hmm. I won't say which to, you know, for privacy reasons, but they want to be the number one in Australia on social media for their industry. So yep. to get there is not easy, mm -hmm. right? Social media is a marathon, it's not a sprint. Right? You got to think long term. Mm. So number one, we have to start climbing the ladder. When we started with this client, we were sitting at about 13, right? Over the last year, I have slowly but surely crawled them up to second. Mm -hmm. So it took us about 12 months, but we went from you know, 12, 13 mm. to second place. Now the gap between second and first is pretty big. Number one in the country has got a very, very decent engaged following. So we've got a lot of work under our, a lot of work to do. But last month we had a challenger. Number three. <laughs> Number three was making uh, very big moves, uh, was posting a lot, was spending a lot of money gaining followers, was running competitions nearly every week, and they were chasing us down. And the gap at the start of last month was about a thousand followers, and they yeah. got it within the hundred. Mm. Right? So, really close. Uh -huh. I did not want to allow that to happen. So, I got a $50 budget from the client and a $100 prize. And I grew that gap by 700 people. Very nice. <laughs> so, so it cost yeah. 150 bucks, but we gained an extra 700 followers. And mm. through that sales campaign, because you know, using the pixel and mm. you know the attribution stuff, I can even tell that we made our money back in sales anyway. Oh, fantastic! So yeah, it yeah. was kind of a, a free campaign that yeah. we did. 
And, and because you're not, you know, you're not moving the other page like down in their followers, hmm. you're moving yourself up. You would also have done some work toward closing the gap. Closing the gap first towards one. number one. Yeah. In fact, we're we're gonna get there. I reckon three more months, and we're gonna be knocking on first store. Fantastic. So okay. I think that's my yeah, yeah. You know, small but big win. Yeah, yeah. Kept number three at bay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> beautiful. So uh, there was another another thing I wanted to discuss there, um, and that's basically. I feel like there were two things I wanted to discuss, <laughs> but um, yeah, there were two things I wanted mm. to discuss. So the fir the first one, just so I like. I, I think I know which company mm -hmm. you're talking about. <laughs> I think you do. I um, talk about them a bit. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing like healthy competition to get you excited in the morning. Yeah. So mm. one one of the things I've I've noticed from that, just is on that on that uh, like community management, mm. uh, you seem at, at this stage um, to really understand their target audience. Uh, I don't know how much of the input comes from yourself and mm. how much from from that actual client. But a lot of the posts that I see, I see, I see it and I think, like, it just, it, I just don't get it. <laughs> I see that I'm like, well, you're not the target market. Doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> you're I, yeah. not the target market. And then I see the hmm. comments and everything, and it is blowing up. Hmm. It's going really, really well. I'm like these guys, like the people who are their customers, absolutely love this. I don't get it. I'm not the target audience, but they do. So that's, we can tell it's really tapped into what they need piece of advice for the page management know your audience mm. it's that simple like what if you were following a page why would you want to follow it do you mm. really want to be advertised to all day do you really want to just get 50 freaking advertisements coming to you all day every day no you want a place where you can be yourself mm. with this particular customer we have sort of created a small community where people mm. are talking to each other challenging each other it's it's become as you said the the comment section is amazing <laughs> you can yeah. have some serious fun it's in actually there. a community um, in terms of how much input comes from the client on that particular case very very little mm. um they leave me to manage the page because i've learned the audience and i can speak to them now yeah sure. they were having trouble with that and that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons they brought us on board is that they mm. didn't understand the audience they didn't know how to talk to them mm. and look i'll be honest with you for the first month neither did i mm. but what we do is we test yeah, you know, I throw out two different ads. A went better. Okay, let's look at A. What's different about that than B? All right, it has. I'm not going to go into too many details, but mm -hmm. find what works with A. Make two more versions. Mm. Rinse and repeat. Sooner or later, you'll start seeing which posts and which you know and which ads are getting a better response, and mm. run with more of that. There's <laughs> something uh, Cam taps into something I find interesting about uh, work managing a community or, mm. or ads for something where you don't really understand the appeal yourself it doesn't you know it doesn't appeal <laughs> to you so much because then you have to rely on the data more yes you don't have that intuition to say i think this one's going to run better and and the problem with having mm. that that intuition is that people tend to favor the one that they felt you know should run better yeah and the data might tell them it's not running better what? they just they're like oh something's wrong with the data no something i notice in well, pretty much most of the new clients who sign up is that they mm. get attached to an mm. ad they probably yep. liked it. It was really cool. They spent a long time making mm. it. There was no A-B test in the creative. Mm. There was no A-B test in the audience and they've just run with it for months. You know, yeah. like you can get attached to things. I do the same. You know, whenever I make up a new campaign, um, I usually like to run with sort of three different creatives at the start. Mm -hmm. Sort of like a really high effort one that has animations, maybe a virtual experience, like uber complicated and cool. Then I maybe will run sort of a, a either a simple animation or a simple image. And then I'll do something really basic, right? Like mm. just just the product, right? I kind of yeah, want to yeah. use that as, as a control. 
Sure. You know? Yeah. Which ad's going to go better? If I can't beat the control, what the hell am I doing? Right. <laughs> so it's always be testing and let the data speak for itself. Mm. Don't get attached to anything. You know, it doesn't matter what you like. It matters yeah. what the customers at the end of the day like. That's yeah. they're the ones buying. They're the ones giving you money. Talk to them. Forget yourself. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Unfortunately, sometimes you put a lot of effort into an ad and it won't work really well and it's a little bit depressing. It's too often it's, the really simple It's a little bit depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It yeah, I yeah, I know yeah. I know exactly what you mean. So the that other topic I mentioned mm -hmm. uh, is actually something that uh, Dan O'Shea um, you'll know from another part mm -hmm. of the business um, has mentioned recently. So uh, for, for our Facebook group, um, it's not called Marketing Mind, that's the podcast, think Advertising Think Tank, thank you. Um, <laughs> he's, he's really uh, interested in, in growing that as a community and one of the phrases that, that he put out there, I'm sure it's not originally, it must have gotten somewhere, uh, community equals opportunity. And I think it's a, a really perfect summation or a really perfect summary of uh, exactly why community management is, is important. That's like those people are your potential customers and then so you know there are potential customers outside of that pool of people but the people in that that you can identify as your community are also going to be your brand advocates yep and that's you know you get word of mouth that starts with uh you say paid advertising whether that's paid ads or it's um you know spending time where you could have been looking up you know time is money um or you're paying for someone else's time to look after that um you start with advertising, but then you get end up with word of mouth from that community and, and stuff coming from them. And this is you know the same with your comments on your ads. It's always much more powerful than anything you can say yourself. There was a uh, old saying one of my very first bosses ever mm -hmm. said to me. Uh, this was back when I was working at Harvey Norman as a computer salesman. Oh, yeah, wow. okay, yeah. And uh, one of the first things he ever said to me was in training was uh, wombats, word of mouth, buy and tell. It's 10 times more expensive to get a mm. new customer than it is to keep a current customer. Mm. And people like, sorry, and people like listening to their friends. They trust mm -hmm. their friends more than a salesman, right? Yeah, so exactly. if one of their friends tells them, hey, I bought a computer from Steve Burke down at you know, uh, Harvey Norman Computers, mm. they're more likely gonna come in and buy from me again, right? Mm. Well, sorry, their friend is more likely mm. to come in and buy from me than if Harvey Norman put out an ad and said, Steven sold a computer this week, come down and see it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it just wouldn't have the same effect yeah. because it's coming from a brand as opposed to a mate. You mm. know, people trust mm. their mates. I think one of the first things in sales is uh, build the rapport, become their friend. Because mm. People trust their friends a little bit more. Mm. This is exactly that. And I think your community that you have connected to your page isn't just them. Mm. When you do start paying for the advertising, especially with boosted posts and things like that, one very, very powerful audience is your fans and their friends. Mm. Why? Because generally, people are friends with similarly minded people, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, like, yeah. I'm gonna go play darts with a other bloke who likes playing darts. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm gonna go to the beach with a guy who likes going to the beach, and naturally, we sort of end up just becoming friends. Yeah, so, so when it's I, actually yeah. pretty hard to play darts with people who don't like Who darts. don't like darts, right? So when I set up an ad and I go, you know, show this ad to the fans of my page, my most valuable customers mm. who, are the least expensive to get in front of mm -hmm. and their friends, well, all of a sudden, you're starting real world conversations, aren't you? Mm. Because they've seen an ad. Oh, you've mentioned this company in the past. Well, now your friend has seen an ad. Oh, hey, did you see this? You mentioned them not too long ago. All of a sudden, a real world conversation is happening and your organic traffic starts skyrocketing. 
you know, like yeah. it can make a very, very big difference. Yeah. Mm. An engaged community, although some people look at the number of fans on a Facebook page, it's just a vanity plate. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like your car's vanity plate doesn't really mean anything, but it looks good. It does mean something. Yeah. You know, it really, really does. Those people are connected to you for a reason. Mm. You know? And those people are generally your most valuable people. So let's get in front of their friends too. Yeah. 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 So, and also when, you, when you're looking at like, like that, the impact that they'll have on everyone else as brand advocates, bringing those people into the community, uh, the, the cost of doing that, which you know, can vary so, campaign to campaign, you, you can really see how worthwhile it is for, yeah. you know, when you consider how many other people they can bring into the fold as well. Just, just thinking out loud of one particular yeah. campaign, you know, where I've got the step three conversion campaign structure is basically run to a lookalike audience, run to the fans of the page, run to mm. the fans of the fans of the page, and run to people who added to cart but not checked out. And I have exclusions mm. set up all the way through to make sure I'm not overlapping any of those mm -hmm. auctions. Mm -hmm. But the two that work best, fans of the page, of course, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But the friends of fans. You can mm. separate that audience so that you can actually see how powerful each one is. Yeah, yeah. The friends of fans is very powerful. Mm. It converts very, very well. You know, it has a great click-through rate. There's a lot of comments going on in the section. I see a lot of people tagging their friends in the comments section, which mm. gets me thinking perhaps that's the actual fan of the page that they've tagged in there to ask yeah, yeah. sort of advice from. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, very, and, very powerful. To and have some a of them... Uh, uh, any, let me, let me say one thing. Mm -hmm. It's powerful to have an engaged community. Yes. That is the yeah. most, underline that word, put brackets around it and estimation points. That's the most important part. You can have 10,000 people attached to the page, but if you've got zero engagement, none of what I just said matters. Mm. You, you also, that's mm. how you get the, uh, like the positive comments yes. on ads and everything. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, last, uh, mm. last question. When you first start working with new clients, what is the most common thing that you have to help them understand? <laughs> people buy from people. <laughs> okay. I know, I know that sounds really simple and cliche, but at the end of the day, look, we are all human beings. Mm -hmm. We don't, okay, well, other than the self-service checkout at a checkout, freaking, you know, Coles or whatever, mm. we buy from people. And people like buying from people. They don't mm. kind of, okay, maybe this isn't entirely true in Japan, but here in Australia, we like buying from people. Mm. We like talking to people and we like it in front of them. And people like a story. So what mm. does that mean in a Facebook page? And what does that mean when running ads? It means real world photos. It means photos with you in it. It means you getting in mm. front of the camera instead of staying behind it. Mm -hmm. Being authentic and actually offering a glimpse into your real life at work, you know, think of the private life, but at work, yeah, showing yeah. them some behind the scenes stuff will go so far. Look, mm. we can fake it as much as you want, but I think I said this before, it's 2019, we've all mm. been on the internet now, sorry, we've all been on social media now for 12 years. We know what a business faking it on social media looks mm. like, right? Most people can identify that pretty quickly, you know? I've still got some tricks up my sleeves and I consider myself all right at it, but if the client can help me generate real world content where they are, yeah. they will just go magnitudes better than without it. And mm. I can run a very simple test, right? I'll run a generic image from, I don't know, from Shutterstock or something versus a photo of you standing in front of your product. And mm -hmm. I can almost guarantee you every single time that one's going to go better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Almost every time. So, uh, it's interesting how that represents the, the way our consumption of media has, mm. has changed because there's, uh, the, I don't have, again, like this isn't planned. I don't have the data but, in front of us. <laughs> we need our numbers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the CEO 
of or the owner of uh, Remington. Mm -hmm. They they make razors. Mm -hmm. So back in I think it was the sixties, but you know, fairly long time ago, different different age for advertising. Uh, he was explaining to his advertising agency how he came to own that company. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't have all the details perfect here, but basically he tried the razor mm -hmm. and he loved it so much that is like this this can't not sell. He went and bought the entire company. Uh, um, and then he also like he made a personal guarantee, like mm -hmm. you're gonna love it as much as me. If you if you try it and you don't plan to you know, switch over to this brand forever, it's free. We'll refund it. Mm -hmm. um, and so he was he was saying that to the advertising agency, like that's how he felt about the company and why he yeah. bought it. And then they said, wait, wait, that, why do we why do we have these actors here? That's our ad. Mm. And they got him in front of the camera and he just said that, and it worked brilliantly. It's a fantastic advertising campaign. Hasn't even changed that much. Well, well, that's the thing <laughs> that because of that success story, yeah. so many CEOs wanted to do that and it was terrible oh. that's the one success story <laughs> oh nice and after that every ceo mm. who wanted to be in their own advertising campaigns they they were just not advertisers mm. and they were they were too close to it they couldn't work just on data and it just it was just a series of terrible ads across mm. decades if they got made uh most of the time they ended up taking the advice of their advertising agency maybe after spending some money shooting the first couple <laughs> takes but it just Terrible idea, but now with social media and how people are engaging with with brands versus screening out, like I call it ads, but like the non-engaging stuff, um, that's like when it doesn't feel like genuine communication. That's the paradigm shift. Where now, if you get a CEO or you know just the owner of the business to to stand in front of the camera. And have that, you know, like I bought this company because I tried it and mm. I, I, you know, felt like fell in love with it. Uh, it works brilliantly, mm. but that's for the same reasons it failed in the past. It don't, you don't sound like a professional. Mm. Uh, same reasons people are scared to do it. They they don't sound, you know, as crisp as uh, the ads they'll see on TV. I actually want to just before you keep going. I kind of yeah. want to add a little point to that. Uh -huh. I've run this test a number of times with a number of different clients. Let's just talk e-commerce for now. Yeah, but yeah. like I've run this test a number of times. I get get them to do a professional shot, mm -hmm. right? And then I go get your get your mm -hmm. iPhone and just just go over there and take a photo. Mm. Which one do you think would win? The professional three hundred dollars photo shoot with like you know great Instagram sort of models in the background, or the mm. the, the iPhone shot. You, iPhone shots one seven uh, out of ten times. Yeah, well, if, uh, if you yeah. asked me first year of uni, I I would have said the professional, but now mm. I, I know better. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that's that G generic yeah. shot. I think it's because it's more authentic. It people is. People can yeah. tell you took the phone out and actually took a shot. I think mm. that's why Snapchat's so popular. Because it's, it's how people communicate with it. each other. Yeah. Like that that could be. Like, this is all theories, but like, that mm. could be the difference. Is that you know no one is has a professional film studio, mm. but People are communicating with each other all the time on social media in that yep. same way. So you're just being more native to that platform. Yep. So act as your clients act. All the reasons it didn't work before, it now works now. So people shouldn't be scared to get yeah. out there and do it. Uh, it's, it's not to say you can't make a bad ad with an iPhone. Unscripted. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. That's like three out of ten times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, but, you definitely make some bad ones. Yeah, but um. It doesn't, be it doesn't take too much and it doesn't have to be perfect. No. In fact, it really shouldn't be perfect if you yeah. want it to work really well.
I think take the polish off a little bit sometimes. Again, once you get down to the final nitty gritty, once the customer's warmed up to you, been mm -hmm. introduced to you, had that, you know, consideration stage already passed, mm -hmm. yeah, you use the professional shot. You know, it's, it's time to bring that out. But before yeah. that point, yeah. you know, be authentic, be real. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, so uh, that's the end of my questions. Cool. Uh, anything else? Uh, and this is this is the worst question that I ask because it's so often a dead end. But yeah. <laughs> is there uh, is there anything else that you want to discuss? Anything that we kind of skipped over? Hmm. No, I think we're good for today. Yeah, it's great to end today. on a dead end, isn't it? Yeah. I should I should change the way I ask that, that question. question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, with all that said. What if uh, anyone listening wanted to reach out to you? What would be the best way for them to contact you? Oh look, flick us an email at uh, Stephen at yesdigital.com.au. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Stephen Burke, B-U-R-K-E. Uh, you know, hooked up to link, uh, Yes Digital, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, you can also get me at Cobble Adventures on Instagram, um, and obviously just call into the office anytime you need. Zero seven three six double two six triple four. All right, uh, and if you want to contact myself. There's always andrew at yesdigital.com.au for an email. Uh, and I guess with the, the theme of this podcast today, you can also jump on to Advertising Think Tank, the Facebook group. Uh, wherever you're seeing this posted, you'll probably have a link there as well. But if you want to be a part of our community, I, I'm always there to respond to, to any posts. Um, other than that, so we'll, we'll see you in episode five. Until then, uh, remember to like, uh, to Give it, a sh give it a subscribe if you loved it. And the best thing you can do uh, to help us grow our community to be our brand advocates uh, would be to share this anywhere you'd usually share something. All right, we'll see you. Thanks, Steve. Pleasure. See you in the next episode. Till next time. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the audio only segment of this podcast. So for this particular episode, we're going to be talking about pillar content. I'll start with a definition of what that is, and then I actually want to get into uh, how we use it here with this very podcast as, as our example, and you know why, why other businesses would use it as well. So pillar content is essentially a large piece of content that can then be broken down into smaller bits of content and distributed across multiple platforms according to what suits that platform best. So one of, the, one of the key reasons that businesses would use pillar content is to simply produce more content or get you know, more, more bits of content uh, while only having to produce one core thing. So this could be something really big like an ebook. Uh, it can also be a podcast. Uh, Joe Rogan's is actually a, a really good example because his podcasts are, tend to be three or four hours long and a lot of people who are less familiar with him uh, won't won't sit through all, all that amount of content, especially if they're if they're a casual listener and they occasionally listen to Joe Rogan. They 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 might not listen to every single guest, so he'll cut that into little snippets, uh, things of interest, and people can listen to just those first. And if they're interested in those, it'll actually funnel them back to the full podcast. So it's one, one way to, to gain listeners in that sense because the, the main piece of content is such a, a large time commitment. Um, but that is actually more the second reason for using it. I was trying to explain the, the, the other reason for using it, which is to get across all the platforms. So uh, an, an ebook uh, is, a, is a reasonable example. It's um, one large piece of content and you could break that into social media posts. 
uh, and that way you, you know you don't have to write completely fresh posts, come up with completely fresh ideas every time. You actually get many bits of content out of that one ebook. Uh, with a with a large video, you cut, you can cut like three minute long bits for Facebook or, or uh, LinkedIn or even 30 to, to 60 second bits. Uh, and then on, on Instagram as well, six second click, clips can go really well if you've got one really powerful quote from that piece of content. Uh, and also on, on Twitter, uh, one good idea on how you can use pillar content is to take just a still image from a piece of content and overlay a quote on top of that. So. Uh, for this podcast, I'll get into using this as an example. Uh, we could take an image of Steve, perhaps we will do this, and then take one of the more uh, potent quotes from him and overlay it over the image of him, and that would be a good post for Twitter. Uh, this can also work for ebooks. E- Obviously, you would just use the author or another type of photo and just put the quote over that, uh, or, or indeed just straight up quote the ebook. Um, so, it allows you to get a lot of content out of re- relatively less content. Making a large piece of content is still a lot of effort, but it's less effort than uh, making unique content for all of these platforms. Uh, so th- it does save a-, a lot of time, and but it also it also has advantages in and of itself. So uh, I think Joe Rogan's example would is one just really good way to outline that. But businesses can use this as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, ebooks are probably even a better example because people even who would read an ebook on a particular topic, if they're not already familiar with the author or the company or very, very interested in the, in the topic or it was recommended to them, they're unlikely to, to dedicate that amount of time and effort to it. So a little bit of content, uh, maybe an article that is based on part of that ebook is just, it's just um, a section of one of the chapters. That if it if it pro- it can prove to that person that the rest of the ebook would be worth investing their their time and effort and perhaps money in as well, so it's really good to funnel people to your core content as well. Uh, I wanted to use myself as a bit of an example because making this podcast is not my primary role here at Yes Digital. I, I do a, a lot of other stuff, looking after uh, both. Yeah, looking after all, all departments in the company and coordinating things. So I, I don't dedicate uh, relatively all that much of my time toward producing the content that you're consuming right now. Uh, and cutting it into little pieces does definitely help us produce a lot more content when it's, it's certainly not my uh, primary role. But at the same time, uh, if, it, if it turned out that producing unique content was the better way to go, was better for consumers, was better uh, in terms of the result that we get, how how much people engage with our content, uh, I, I would put out unique content or I would enlist more help from other people in the business to do so. But one of the key reasons I don't is that, key, is that creating a core piece of content that has a lot of thought go into it and then from there getting little snippets of the most effective things can be can be the best way to produce that secondary content uh, compared to completely creating it from scratch because in this case it is a best of I, instead of doing a three minute clip uh, I, I do a 30 minute clip and then I take the best three minute segments and by being the best of they turn out uh, you know, ideally is really good content I do also produce uh, unique content you may have seen my 60 second thought starters 
uh, and and there'll be, yeah be some other unique content like that. Uh, one one series I do exclusively on the uh, advertising think tank Facebook group is the I read it so you don't have to uh, series. Like, I guess it's a series, um, and that unique content does does fine, and I, I'm happy with it. But uh, it's there's there's no reason not to use it in tandem with a pillar content approach. So those are some of the advantages to it in terms of how to do it. You really want to create content that works to your strengths. If you're you know, naturally inclined to, to be a writer, uh, which strangely for someone who, who like myself, uh, doing a, a podcast and also being on video, uh, I think that actually is a better description of me. Uh, you should probably be doing, be writing content. Uh, but if you are comfortable in front of a camera and on audio, which I guess I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm certainly not someone who seeks it out, but I'm, I'm more than happy to do it. Uh, then you should be on video and recording yourselves like like I am uh, for your content. The reason I do more of this than I do of writing is that I, I find it's more effective content. Um, but I'd be comfortable to do both. The key the key thing is don't do something you're not comfortable with. So if you're not comfortable in front of a camera, uh, not comfortable recording yourself don't do it because it's going to feel awkward uh try it i uh, that's it i definitely recommend that you give it a go because you might find uh that even if it is awkward at first you i guess adapt to it uh and become more comfortable and i certainly have become more comfortable uh even though i was i was happy to do it to start with but if it really just doesn't sit right with you if you just don't like it it's it's not going to be great content in any case just stick to something that you're more comfortable with. Um, and that goes for, for writing as well. If that's not something that, that you feel is a strong suit for you, if you'd, more, you'd much rather just have a casual conversation to a camera, then do that as well. Uh, so that wraps up everything that I wanted to discuss in this audio exclusive uh, extra, which speaking of actually makes this, this podcast itself the pillar content, because when you go to Facebook, you lose the audio exclusive. So uh, it's already being cut up a bit there. Um, and I did say I was wrapping this up, but one other way uh, businesses can use this sort of content is often you'll find yourself answering questions that uh, will come up with um, like from, from clients or prospective clients uh, from time to time that you've, you've answered in your pillar content. And taking a snippet of that and sending it uh, out to a client is can also be a really helpful approach, both in terms of saving your time and in terms of helping the client get a better understanding. Um, because it's generally a thought out, thought out uh, piece of content, and it shows that that I guess you put you've put thought into it before, and then it's something that's come up before. Um, so that this time uh, really is the end. Uh, I'll see you in the next episode, uh, and I. One thing I need to work on with my pillow content is my sign-offs. So <laughs> catch you then.